Well, good evening, good evening, and a happy Wednesday evening to you. This is Ronnell Tate, lead pastor of the Father's House, located in Frisco, Texas, and your host of the Father's Table podcast, in which you are watching live or listening on replay right now. And we just want to welcome you on a wonderful Wednesday night. We're grateful to have you join us live or to be listening on replay, watching on replay or listening on one of our podcasting platforms. What a wonderful time it is to be joining you, to be alive, to be here in this moment. I'm grateful to be before you, and I pray that wherever you are, the Lord finds you well. The Lord finds you growing ever deeper in love with him, finds you ever captured by the pursuit of his heart. And I pray that for you right now, that even as you wind your night down, that there is none other for you, no one else for you. There is nothing else for you but to live all that you have and all that you are and every ounce of your energy for him and him alone. Well, tonight, as we, we gather, we are still talking about this Ephesians 4 mandate. And the mandate of the believer to live for him. And we will look at that tonight for a few moments. I'll only be before you just a little bit. Not long, not long at all. But it's my prayer that it's not the length of time that matters. But it's the one who, in the midst of this time, the beginning and the end, will visit us 
will speak to us, will encourage us, will transform us, will bring us to a place of true repentance before him that we might live our lives for him and him alone. Well, let us pray. I don't want to belabor our time. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this night, February 9th, 2022. It's the only one that we will have in the history of our lives. And we thank you that as we finish out this day, that we finish it before you and with you and in your presence, and that you will have your glory, you will have the fullness of your reward from our lives. So we just honor and magnify you and give you praise. We give you our worship. We give you our adoration. And for this moment of time, we give you our complete and full attention that we might hear from you, learn of you, and receive from you, that our lives would be completely and totally transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I've mentioned, the beginning of or second week in January, we the Lord led me into this book of Ephesians chapter 4. This Ephesians 4 mandate of every believer taking their place within the body of Christ. Our lives before we gave our lives to him that we were born again that that life has been dealt with at the cross but there is still a life that you and I will stand before him and be judged upon it is not the life prior to Jesus you are my Lord and I will live for you all of my life that has already been judged the blood of the cross, if we have repented of our sins and given him our life. But it is the life after that, the life where we said we will give to you and live our every waking moment, our every sleeping moment, that we will give the entirety of our lives unto you. You and I as believers... And those who will believe in the days ahead, we will stand before the king of glory and give an account of that life that we have lived. Jesus says, I see you, my brother, there on Instagram. God bless you as well. Good morning to you wherever you are. I see you say this morning where you are. It is evening here. But we will stand before him and we will offer to him 
or Uganda, Africa. I know people from Uganda. God bless you. We will stand before him and we will answer whether we have fulfilled the will of the Father for our lives. Not our will, but his will for our lives. Yesterday, I spent a good portion of the day grieved for the heart of our Lord. Grieved for the hurting of the heart of the Holy Spirit by us as believers as there were, I'll say it this way, the last 24 to 48 hours, there have been many shots fired in the body of Christ by leaders in the body of Christ, all of which I have not liked and I don't think they have blessed the heart of the Lord. Over the last couple of years, there have been many shots fired by believers all over, especially on these social media platforms where we get on and we spout out our rhetoric and we spout off our emotions and we throw up all of our pain and hurt and emotions and feelings, etc. And in the midst of shooting off what we desire, we forget that there is one whose tears and pain we may not be paying attention to, and it is Jesus. We may not be focused upon the fact that as we're saying the things that we're saying and posting what we're posting and, and, and tearing down those whom we're tearing down, that we're doing this to a child of our father. And as a natural father, I don't let my children just come and tear down their brother or sister to me. Because the one that they are upset with at that moment and tearing down is still my child. And I don't believe that in the things that have taken place over the last 24 to 48 hours and as a whole, the last couple of years, especially in social media, we have taken into account that our arrogance in some regards, that our pride in others, that our need to just get off of our chest what we need to get off to be heard, to seem spiritual, to jockey for position and platform and numbers. We may have missed that. We have caused tears and pain in the heart of our Heavenly Father. I know I have been one for years who has not controlled his tongue, who has spoken out of turn behind the backs of others and publicly. And I have grieved the Spirit. I have hurt the heart of the Father. 
I've broken the heart of the son for each one of us are the reward of his suffering. And it does not lend to the life of love that he has called us to. As believers in this day and in this hour, there is an assignment that is upon our lives. And for many of us, we have not stepped into that assignment. We have not stepped into destiny or calling. Because we have become distracted with the things of the day. We have become so familiar with Jesus that we have lost sight of him. We've become so familiar with being around the church world and hearing the catchphrases and hearing the scriptures that we know and love over and over again that we have lost sight and lost the sound or the hearing of the one that we claim that we love. And yet there stands this mandate in Ephesians 4 that the Lord Jesus himself he gave some to be in various offices of the fivefold they are his gift to the body that word gift here in Ephesians 4:11 Or excuse me, in 4.8, <clears throat> does not speak to the gift itself, but it speaks to the giver of the gift. It speaks to the wonder and the splendor and the awesomeness of the one who is the giver. He knew exactly what you and I would need and gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But here is the reason why Ephesians 4 verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. When you have people who are jockeying for position titles simply because they believe one carries a greater weight and a greater anointing, are we, out of, are we not out of the will of the Lord for our life? Are we not living in the place where the will of the Lord for the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip the body for the fulfilling of the assignment and the work of the Father, for the presenting of the rewards to the one who has suffered all and is deserving of them, for the equipping of the ones who would live life led by the Spirit and would need to know what it is like and what it looks like. 
have we not failed when we jockey for titles and fight for titles? We war against each other in other office positions when we are to work with one another for one reason. The equipping of the saints. The fivefold is not about me being served because I am so great. The fivefold is because the Lord has designated me as one who would be the servant of servants. He has designated me to lay down my life that others might have life and fulfill destiny and calling. It is why Paul says that as apostles, he is giving, as an apostle, he's my paraphrase, losing his life daily and under extreme pressure and pain for the sake of the ecclesia. We act today in many regards that the ecclesia was created for the apostle or the prophet or whatever fivefold. But it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, which says that everyone who says that they are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in his way, being led, governed by Holy Spirit, has a part and a place to play. You have heard me say that we are pieces to the great puzzle of God's kingdom, and we have a place and a part that we are to fit in and we must do that he says that not only for the edifying of the body but it does that till we all come into the unity the fivefold is given that the body might be united that might the body might be one and yet you have apostles and prophets who don't want to deal Apostles and prophets who don't want to deal with pastors. Pastors who won't, don't want to deal with apostles and prophets, and etc. But the assignment of every fivefold ministry gift is to help the body come into a place of unity. Unity of the faith. And a oneness of the knowledge of the Son of God. Whom Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, is the glory, the expressed image of the glory of the Father. Till we come to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would not be tossed to and fro by the enemy. And yet, we throw shots on social media. We shoot shots at one another. Are we not partaking of the enemy's cup and not the cup of our Lord? My heart was grieved greatly on yesterday for the better part of the day. Heavily grieved, broken, 
for the state of the church. That we, he says, that we would grow up. The, the fivefold is for the growing up into the Christ, into Christ. For the maturing of ourselves into Christ. From whom the whole body, it is from Christ that the entire body is joined and knit together. Listen to this. By every, what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. The fivefold ministry gift is so that every believer would mature and grow up in Christ that it would supply what the body is in need of when we are warring against one another, when we are taking shots at one another, toward one another. Are we building unity? When believers who are the lay people, who are the saints, who are called to the work of ministry, are sitting back and joining the show as though it were entertainment, watching it for their own entertainment and their own edification. Has the body not gone into a state of ruin? And we are in need of those who will lay down their lives, follow the Lord's blueprint, and step into all that he has for them. Haggai says this, the prophet. He he's asked the governor and the high priest. He says, say to my people, is it the time for you to build, to live in your paneled houses or your places of luxury while my house lies in ruin? In the Old Testament, The house of the Lord was literally a building. Yes, it was a tent at one point. And then David set aside the goods and Solomon built it and it was built. It was a place where the Lord said to the children of Israel that his name would forever be there. It would be a place of his glory, that his tangible manifest glory would always rest in his house. And his name would forever be upon it. But it was torn down and the children didn't rebuild. And he says, is it time for you to build your house and not build mine? For us in the New Testament, the house of the Lord is this temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John, in the Gospel of John, if you obey, it, the one who loves me is the one who obeys me. And he who obeys me, I and my father will come and make our home, our abode, our dwelling in you. We are the house and the temple. And when the temple is living in perver perversion, when the temple is not living in holiness, when the temple is go running after entertainment, whether that entertainment is from the world or that entertainment, is from the servants of God acting like the world. Is not his house in ruins still? And it needs to be rebuilt. 
We want destiny. We're looking for titles. But the Lord is looking for those who will simply do his will. No matter what that will is and what it costs. Every one of us has a part to play. Every one of us supplies. Every one of us is a part that gives unto the fullness of the body. And if we are not doing what we are called to do. If we are not in that place because we are so far from him and we need to come back to a place of repentance, then the body suffers. We cry for revival. Revival, let it come. Lord, we're in need of revival. But he says in Second Chronicles, if my people, it is annoying if my people who are called by my name, not your name, it is not your way. It is not someone else's name. He says, my people who are called by my name. We are married to him and we bear his name. Therefore, we bear the responsibility of upholding his honor. If my people if we are aware of whose we are and who we belong to, he says, will humble themselves long before revival. There must be a humbling. There must be a people who says, my ways are not your ways. A humbling, this word to humble, uh, speaks of acknowledging that there is one far greater than I and I will bow to a superior If my people will humble themselves. You are it. I must turn from my ways. My prideful, arrogant ways. My pompous ways that have sought my will. Humble themselves. And then he says, seek my face. He didn't say seek what's in my hand. He did not say to seek titles, to seek his titles, his giftings, to seek what he can do for you. He says to seek my face. Oh, he will give you the gifts. He has no problem giving the gifts, releasing the power. But he says, seek my face. If my people will humble themselves, acknowledge that there is one greater than you whom your life belongs to. That your life is given to him. Therefore, his ways are far superior than yours. Oh, may the church today come back to a place that it's not our will, but it's his will be done. It is my prayer, and I believe it is necessary that every single believer would have a garden of Gethsemane moment for their own lives. Where you would die to your will and your ways. Die to what you want, your desires. Die to live. That you would die to all that you want to do 
come alive to his will and his way. Jesus told us that it, it ought to be the way we pray that your will would be done. His will being done on earth doesn't start with someone else. It starts with me. Me. I don't look for someone else to do it. I look to me to do it. His will is supreme. I was created for his pleasure, not my own. If my people will humble themselves, I am married to him. I belong to him. I bear his name if I have come to him and given my life to him all the days of my life. I belong to another. May we have a garden of Gethsemane moment where our will becomes his will. If my people will humble themselves, seek my face. Oh, then he says, turn from their wicked ways. If we don't humble ourselves, we won't seek his face. We will be too proud and arrogant and think that we can do it without him. If we do not humble ourselves, we will not turn from our wicked ways for we will not acknowledge that I have a problem or issues in my life that are grieving him. We are told in the New Testament that we can quench the spirit, stop his flow like a stopping water flowing out of a garden hose by kinking it, quenching. Or we can grieve him by the wickedness of our ways, the evil of our ways, the sin in our ways. He says, if my people humble, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. And I know I forgot one. He says, pray. We talk about that often when we talk about Second Chronicles 7.14, so I left it out purposely to highlight the others. We won't pray and step into the true posture of what prayer is if we're not humble. Because truly, prayer, true prayer, is less speaking from me and more listening on my part. For my humility or humbling myself, I will recognize that the one who is greater than I has more to say of value than I do in that moment. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. If they will pray, then he says, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Re revival will break out. But there must be a turning. I believe many of us need to repent to the Lord 
because of our social media habits. The things that we look at, the things that we post, the things that we write, our rudeness and our lack of love toward people. Many of us need to repent again and come and ask the Lord to reveal himself afresh and anew. Leonard Ravenhill says that many in the church know the word of God, but most in the church don't know the God of the word. This is why Jesus said many in that day, Matthew 7, will say to me, did not we heal in your name, prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? And he says, I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It is why Jesus says in John 17 that eternal life is knowing him and his son whom he sent. It is the knowing that leads us into the place of walking out destiny for him. Oh, we spoke of Isaiah last week and I'll just be on here a little bit longer. I want to mention these two passages of scripture and then I want to tell you this one story. Isaiah, we, we talked about him in Isaiah 6 last week. And in Isaiah 8, Isaiah says, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I believe the Lord is still asking that today. Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? You see it in Chronicles and other places in the scriptures that the Bible says, and the Lord sought for a man. He is looking for someone who will fulfill his assignment and fulfill his purpose in the earth. There is a help wanted ad in the papers of heaven. There are positions that have not been filled and the Lord is saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Jesus says in Matthew 9, as I turn there, verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to, the, the, to his disciples, excuse me, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few who will go for us. Whom shall I send? And the Lord sought for a man to make up the hedge, to stand in the gap, for the people that he would not destroy them but he found no one it says in Chronicles Jesus tells his disciples therefore pray the Lord of the harvest not for the harvest Lord oh send the harvest we pray he says don't pray for the harvest pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Pray for people to 
answer the call. Isaiah, he says, whom shall I send? I heard the Lord, Isaiah says, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? Isaiah raises his hand and says, here I am, Lord, send me. Maybe much of the foolishness, maybe much of the ridicule, the competition, maybe much of the criti criticism and the tearing down amongst believers would end if we would simply come to a place of seeing the Lord rightly, repentance that we might see him rightly. And when we see him rightly, we would see ourselves rightly. It's what happened to Isaiah. And if we see him rightly, see ourselves rightly, then our ears would be open that we might hear him rightly. And we would hear him say, I have a position. Will you go for me? Who will go into the prison cells, the prisons, and set the captives free? Here, I am, Lord, send me. We were reading in Ephesians that every joint supplies, that the fivefold is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the body to grow up into maturity, for it to be made whole and one, to come into the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Who will go? Jesus says the laborers are few. Chronicles the Lord is looking and searching for a man who would stand in the gap for the people. Who, who will go? And yet, we have believers all over. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what the Lord, what my purpose is. I'm asking, I'm looking, I'm longing. And there are positions everywhere available. I'll give you this story and I'll prepare to close. To end this podcast. For tonight. I heard the completion of a story that I knew and heard years ago, but I was listening to a teaching <coughs> today by Leonard Ravenhill from, uh, excuse me, not a teaching, but he was in a question and answer session in 1989, just a few years before he went home to be with the Lord. Uh, about four years, I believe it was, four and a half years. And he was talking about this aspect of prayer <clears throat> as he so often and so eloquently and so fiery with such fire and passion does. But he talked about this man who was a disciple and, and one who was actually with the general John Alexander Dowie. And if you don't know who he is, um, there, there are books about his life you can look him up, but he was in Chicago and he was an apostle of healing. And when he got out of his calling at the end of his life, he bought a lot of land and called it Zion, Illinois, which exists to this day, the city. You can go there and you can see streets. Uh, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, so I'm aware of this. Zion, Illinois, there are streets still with Abraham Lane and Abraham Way. And because he was attempting in his mind, he got out of his calling to create 
the city of God in the West. Jerusalem was in the East. He wanted to create it in the West. But there was a man who still was a part of, who was still living in Zion. And he had walked with Dowie. And uh, Leonard Ravenhill went there because they had this prayer group who were powerful in prayer. This particular man, Ravenhill says, his name was Andrews. The Lord called him to go to Israel. He went to Israel and right before going or in the process, he mastered Hebrew. And he gets to Israel. And the Lord says to him, go back to America. And he says, Lord, I just got here. Lord, there are people who gave money and have given so much for me to be here. And he says, the Lord said to him, do as I say. Go back to America and intercede for America. Leonard Ravenhill says, this man comes back. And for 30 years, he intercedes for America from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. every single day by himself for 30 years. What's our problem and what's our excuse? Lord, no one will help me. I don't have anyone to show me, Lord. I don't know where to start. Lord, I don't, Lord, I, I, Lord, excuses after, ex for 30 years. Ravenhill said when they came to carry his body out of his room when he went home to be with the Lord, it was the first time he had been out of his home in 12 years. There's part of the story that says the wood planks by his bed had divots in it from where his knees had been for hours upon hours upon hours for 30 years. Every joint supplies. Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? I am looking for a man who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Will you go for him? I believe that right now the Lord is seeking intercessors in every for every state in the United States of America for all 50. I believe the Lord is waiting for intercessors over our school districts, intercessors over our local and state government houses, intercessors People who will pray for their city, pray for their state, pray for their educational system. I believe he is looking for intercessors for various places, education, business, for government. People whom the Lord has spoken to and says, I want you to pray night and day for China, for Africa, for Arkansas, for Texas, for California, for Florida, for Maine, for New Hampshire, and for many of us. We're too worried about getting on the platform.
when in reality, the only platform that really matters is the grandstand of heaven and fulfilling his will, not mine, not yours, his will. What is it that you want of me? What is your heart for me? What are you asking of me? Again, as I close, the fivefold is for the equipping of the saints. Not that the saints would make you feel like some superstar. It is that we are the servant of servants to help the body come into the full purpose, not of our, not our purpose, but the full purpose of Christ. I pray that we would repent of our self-centeredness, our selfishness, and embrace his life and his way. We have been called to lead the entire body into the fullness of the unity of the faith to oneness that we run as one, move as one, that Christ is magnified and glorified and that we supply. We supply what the body is in need of by becoming what he desires. We were created for his pleasure, not our own. Who will go for us? The Lord asks. Whom shall I send? Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. The Father is the Lord of the harvest. It is his harvest. It is the reward of Jesus. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that people answer the call and go. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest fields. The Lord is still searching. He's still looking for a man, a woman, to step into the gap for the nations. Who is the Lord calling as intercessors for the Taliban? Whom is the Lord calling as an intercessor for Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia? Whom is the Lord calling that they will lay on their feet night and day for the Arab people that the man in white will explode into their dreams and would be known by them that Jesus would be known. May we become everything that he has for us to become. Well, I pray that in some way that has blessed you tonight. And I pray that you would join me in repenting 
of our apathy, repenting of our lack of surrender and yieldedness to him, to the spirit of God, that his will and his life would be lived through us and done in us. Well, I pray tonight that as we close, <clears throat> you would have a wonderful night of rest. Psalm 127 tells us that he gives his beloved sweet sleep. So I pray tonight that you have sweet sleep, that you have rest in the presence of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit would surround you. And I pray that the fear of the Lord is in your life and upon your life. Why? Because scripture tells us that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. May he encamp around your life tonight as you sleep, giving you rest, peace, and joy. May he speak to you. May you have dreams and visions that come from the Father himself that are guiding you into your tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me tonight. And I look forward to seeing you soon. I pray that I'm able to jump on tomorrow for another quick show. But if not, we will see each other soon. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening and a wonderful rest of your week in the presence of the Lord. You have been listening to the Father's Table podcast. And I have been your host, Ron L. Tate, the lead pastor, founder of the Father's House Frisco and the director of the Father's House of Prayer. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Bye-bye.